Have you ever heard a person speaking? And as they begin to speak, you lean in and then all of a sudden you realise you were saying something that I've been feeling. Have you ever had that? It's like you watch a TED talk and you're like, you were describing exactly what I've been trying to put into words. Have you ever had that moment? You're like, whoa, you are far more descriptive. You're more eloquent. So you know what? Next time I talk about that topic, I'm just going to copy you. We've been there. You know, we're honest. You all have. Half of you are already thinking about lunch. Focus in. Uh, a little while ago, I went to visit Pastor Nick to spend some time with him. And while I was there, uh, Meredith gave me this article that I began to read. And as I read this article, uh, I realized this was putting words to something that had been in my heart, that I'd been praying about. Father, how, how do we help our community to evangelize more? That's what I had been praying. like, Father, help me. Because we know that today... Being a Christian, for our current generations, it, it has become hard. From this perspective, when I grew up, and, you know, I'm, I'm 37, so when I was at school, there was still religious education. You know, the community that I walked in and, and, and spent time in, still, even if they didn't go to church, still felt like church was a good place. They felt like, you know, Christmas, Easter, wedding, funerals. Church is still a good place. This is what we grew up in the environment of. We grew up in an environment where you could at least assume that most people in community believed that there was a higher power, believed that there was life after death. And our job really was to join the dots to Jesus. It was to try and bring them to the cross. You fast forward 20 years, and I get to work in a place and in a facility where we get to talk about Jesus all the time. People come in, they want to grow, they need prayer. It's incredible, you know, that we get to be a part of a community together and that we have a place where we can come all the time and be together. But most of you go to a workplace, are in an environment when actually speaking the name of Jesus can make people look at you with a side eye, can stir up offense in people. Because we've gone from a society that once uh, believed in the value of, of what the church and, and, and who Jesus is, to now they feel like, oh, it's old, it's irrelevant, it's prejudice, it's not what it is. So what happens now is, is that we get to a place where there are people in our community that don't feel comfortable to set foot in this place. They don't feel comfortable to come to church yet. So in a society that was very attractional driven, get them to church, then the preacher will preach really well and they'll and the keys will be playing right and, and the lights will be perfect and, and they'll be stirred and they'll respond to Jesus. But a missional church who we are and want to be takes Jesus to the world. You don't need me to lead a person to Jesus. You need faith in Jesus and obedience 
we have to understand that discipleship and evangelism are not separate. Evangelism is part of your discipleship. And in fact, your discipleship will be lacking if you don't evangelize. But how do you get a society to the foot of the cross? If they're not interested in Jesus, if they're not interested in church, if we're trying to talk to them about a higher power, about God, but they go, that's not what I believe. What I believe is my truth. How do we reach those people? This is a question I've been asking myself because I don't want to be a leader of a community that grows old and doesn't change the world. I don't want us to just be a community, but yet there are people we love going to hell. Our community needs to be sharing Jesus. Do you know, I have a hobby. I like running. And whenever I get around other runners or other people, I like to talk about running. There are people in this community that like guitar. And whenever they get together, they talk about guitar. April likes painting her nails. Couldn't think of anything worse. But whenever a friend comes over, what do they end up doing? She's got this trolley. She pulls it out. The next minute, they're either nailing the nails or it looks like they just squished a smarty onto the end of their finger. There's some women in this group that have done that with April. She likes that stuff. There are people that like cars. They talk about cars. There are people that like camping. Give me a wave, my people. Just going to sit in that for a moment. And then there are people that hate camping. Quick one up and down. I hate you all. No, I'm kidding. I'm done. I love you. Not really. Um, I do. I do. I do. But when you're passionate about something, if you truly believe in something, you can't help but talk about it. Above all, I love Jesus. And you know what? I actually like to talk about him. But there is something that we are at war against because what happens now is when you talk about the name of Jesus, there are people that need to be reached. They shut down, they turn off, they move away. How do we bring them to the foot of the cross? That's what I've been pondering. So as I was talking about this with Pastor Nick and Meredith, she sent me this article. And it talked about porch spaces. Now we know what a porch is. It's a place out the front of your house. You're like my makeshift porch. Um, I wanted to put it in front of the screen, but I realized that then no one would see my slides and uh, it wouldn't work because I'd be preaching in the dark online. Porch spaces. It's outside of your house. It's the forecourt. It's the foreground. Porch spaces. So what happened in this article, they began to talk about neighborhoods in America in the 70s. And what would happen is there would be a neighborhood that would thrive. There would be a neighborhood that wouldn't. 
They both had the same socioeconomics. They both had the same facilities. They both had a similar population. But yet one would be not thriving and, and becoming derelict and dangerous, and yet another one would thrive. And what happened is one day there was a young lady. She was a white person making her way through an uh, African-American community. And as she was walking through the community, there were women of that community that were on their porches. And they would yell out to her, you're safe in this neighbourhood, honey. We've got our eyes on you. And what would happen is they found after doing research that the more people that dwelled on a porch, the safer and more engaging the community was. You see, because what would happen is there would be people that would walk through the street and they would be effectively in the world. Now, they're not comfortable to be invited into your home, but they may be comfortable to come onto your porch. So they would come up onto the porch and on a hot day, the article said they might offer them lemonade and, and they would spend community and they would have community together. And on that porch would be a place of influence. You see, when we grew up, we could invite people to church as the porch in the hope that we would get them to the foot of the cross. But these days, there are people that are not comfortable to be here. So we need to create porch spaces. You see, often the way into the house is through the porch. So what is a porch space? A porch space is a place of influence where people can get to know you. It's a neutral place, so they feel comfortable to be there. And what happens is in that place, as you have community, you begin to influence, and they begin to see Jesus in you. You see, there are people that may not like the church, but they will begin to have community and like a Christian. You see, because when you create porch spaces, this could be anything. This could be serving at a, at a football club, uh, coaching uh, at a sporting club. It could be inviting somebody over to your house for dinner. Hospitality is a great porch space. And then what happens is there are people that are in the world and they may not be comfortable to come into the church, but they're happy to be on the porch. And often being on the porch is a step closer to coming into the house. Porch spaces, if we are going to evangelize, the question that I began to ask is, as a church, do we have enough porch spaces where we can invite people in and they can be themselves? They can have their opinions. But yet at the same time, we represent the gospel, preparing them at the forecourt to one day when an event is on or there's this particular Sunday, they become a person of peace. They're open and they're inquiring that we invite them to the foot of the cross or we share with them right there about Jesus. Porch spaces. Do you have porch spaces? So let's talk a little bit about the theology of what a porch space is to look like, in my opinion. Here's the first one. And uh, we can bring it up there if we go to the next uh, point. A porch has purpose. 
Now, I'm going to round this out, so I need you to stay with me as we work our way through the Word. Because there's one thing that we need to make sure that we're not doing, uh, uh, I personally believe, uh, and you can be at your conviction, but a bait and switch isn't great. You bring them in, and then there are supernatural times when people are ready, but most of the time in our society, if we're being culturally aware, if you try to shove the gospel down them and they're not ready to receive it, you'll create distance. There needs to be wisdom in your world and in your approach. I'll talk about that in a minute. But we need to realize this, that let's not deny the fact that a porch has purpose. And the purpose is to reach people for Jesus. It's okay. Jesus is who I'm passionate about. I want to reach people for him because I believe he is the hope of the world. I actually believe he transforms lives. I actually believe that there are people that are being robbed of a full life because they don't know Jesus. And I want to give them the opportunity to have that. But a porch, it has purpose. If you look in 1 Corinthians 10.31, and that's not, why don't you uh, turn in your Bibles. We're going to do a little bit of uh, flipping around. We'll go to Luke chapter 5. But 1 Corinthians 10.31, it really talks about, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So if I'm driving to work, it's for the glory of God. If I'm parenting my children, it's for the glory of God. If I'm being corrected myself, it's for the glory of God. If I'm having a great time, it's for the glory of God. Whatever I do, wherever I go, I want to do it in a manner that is bringing glory to the name of Jesus. Porch spaces. Very simply, in Luke 19.10, it gives us a great definition of what Jesus was thinking about, pondering, whenever he was with people in a neutral place. It says this, For the Son of Man did not come to seek, uh, for the Son of Man came to seek, and to save the lost. Well, let's have a look at a few examples together. So if we turn to Luke chapter 5, 27, it says this, after this, uh, verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. By the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his home. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Jesus had a purpose. He was at a party. He was connecting with people that weren't necessarily in his circle. But why did he do it? He did not come for the healthy, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the Pharisees were annoyed because they're like, don't associate with people because they were assuming that association meant acceptance. That's not the case. 
Jesus loved the sinner, not the sin. And as I pondered this, and I looked at our community, and I looked at my life, the thought that came to my head is, are our porch spaces too exclusive? Is it too exclusive? Hey, there is a bit too much baggage over there with that person. Uh, I don't want people to think, you know, I'm getting wild, uh, you know, by connecting with them. That's not what Jesus was doing. A porch has purpose. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He did not come for the healthy, but came for the sick so that they could be called to repentance. Your porch should have purpose. I love if you go to Luke 15, one of my favorite uh, scriptures. And what happens at the start of Luke chapter 15, you see the context of what's going on and you see Jesus's answer. So here we go. You have some friends over and people start getting all judgy. Spending a lot of time with that person. They're going through your bin. There's a lot of beer cans in that bin. I don't know if they do. I'm just saying, that's, that wouldn't be happening here. That is not our community. What happens is the things I don't prepare, they come out wrong. But we're a community of grace. But let's have a look at Luke 15, 1 and 2. It sets the context for Jesus' reply. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, the despised, the people that they didn't want to hang out with. And it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So then Jesus goes on to talk about three different parables. There are three different reasons and rationales for why he is eating with sinners and tax collectors. We see here that the first one talks about the lost sheep. We know these. There's 99 and one is lost. So the shepherd goes after the one. Why? Because God loves even a single individual. What he's saying there is that even the one tax collector is still valuable to God. Everybody is precious in God's sight. Jesus died for them all. And what happens is he's saying, I am putting value even on the one. And what he's saying there is he's going, I know that you are judging me, but all of these individuals, every single one of them is important to God. He then goes on to talk about the lost coin. And what really the heart of that is that God desires that no one be lost. They turn everything upside down for this lost coin. They then find the coin and they celebrate because God's heart is that every individual is important and that no individual would be lost. And then we know about the prodigal son. That points to God's grace with the younger son and the need for repentance with the younger son. And then he's looking at the Pharisees going and here's the older brother that doesn't want to participate based on judgment. And then he looks at him with a side eye. But what's happening in this is I'm having a meal with these guys that you don't even want to associate with because they're important. We don't want to see them lost and we want to present to them God's grace and their need for repentance. So don't be like the older brother. You see, a porch has 
purpose. Jesus was not hanging with them for another reason, but the reason was that the lost could come to repentance and be saved. When you have a porch space, the greatest porch space that you can create is through hospitality. Have somebody over for a meal. Have somebody over for a meal. Now, what I really feel that we need to do as a community is when we have people over, I want you to invite people that don't know Jesus and love them. But don't get them there. And then let me tell you a little story. This is another one that are off the notes. So here we go. I want you to do anything but this. So my sister went through a rebellious phase. Um, she loves Jesus now. This is many, many years ago, uh, over 20 years ago. I'm 17, 16, 17, 17. And um, she used to bring home these random guys, right? And I, I was like, this is my sister. So they'd come over and they'd sit there. My dad would be on, on one couch. My brother would be on another. And I'd come in with the Bible in my hand. I'm like, they're either going to stay or they're going to be saved or they're going to go. And I'd come in, I literally, this is what I literally do. I'm the baby of the house. My brother's older than me. This is my dad. This is his house. My older sister, she's older than me and my brother. And I'd come in, I'd put the Bible on the bench. And then what we'd do is my dad would stare at the Bible, my brother stare at the Bible, stare at the Bible. And then I'd look up and I'd go, what are your intentions with my sister? I'm the youngest. No joke. When my sister brought home the guy she would marry, she arranged the whole family to meet him while I was at work nursing. I don't even know why. And am I exaggerating anything? April is witness. She was around. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not culturally aware. I don't want you to invite people into your home and go, hey, the pastor preached at our church that we should be friends with sinners. And I've invited you all to my home. I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds silly, but what happens is we've grown up in a culture where we are trying to force an agenda. God will call them. We must love them. Our job is to love. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. I know that you're clapping because you agree because we've all grown up in a community where it's like, how'd you go? But let's look at what Paul's opinion was on it. I just want to apologize to my sister if you ever see this. It wasn't right. I hope I don't reap what I sow. But I'm putting it out there. Kiara's serving upstairs today and Lila is just look out, future husband. I may fall into rebellion <laughs> at some point. I look straight down the camera just so you're all aware when that happens. You're all invited. Men's camp, it won't be a men's camp. We'll all wait in the front living room of my house. When the guy rocks up, we'll just all open it. We'll be like, are you on board? You're on board? Yep, I like it. Anyway, 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 I'm getting caught up in my fathering. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at 19 to 23. And this is uh, next point being that a, a porch is a place of cultural awareness. Okay, this is so important. Uh, and as you can see in the scripture that we're seeing on the screen, uh, this is really what Paul is saying. But let's have a look at the scripture. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I made myself a slave to everyone 
What's the purpose? To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. What he's saying is uh, to the Jews that were needing to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, he, he, he went along with the customs. And he's saying, I'm not under those customs anymore, but I went along with them so that I could be culturally sensitive to where their heart is in the hope that they would get to have an open heart to receiving the gospel of truth. I was culturally aware, I was culturally sensitive in order that their heart would be soft for what I'm really intending to talk about, which is what sits in my heart, it's Jesus. So as to win those under the law. To those under the law, I'm just going back up again. The law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like the one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. What he is saying there is as I reach the Gentiles, they don't live like the Jews. They reach like the Gentiles. But that doesn't mean I'm going to get wild and participate in their sin because I'm under Christ's law. The Ten Commandments are still relevant, but the ritualistic isn't because it's about relationship now. So what you have to remember is when you're having friends over, we're understanding it's cultural sensitivity. It's not rebellion or participation in pagan customs. We're still under the law of Christ, but we will be culturally sensitive. Why? So as to win those not having the law to the weak. I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Cultural sensitivity does not mean compromise. I'm not compromising my life but I'm reaching people for Jesus in a manner that their heart remains soft, not hardened. There is a thing that's called subversive fulfillment that this article talked about, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, let me read to you what the definition is of subversive fulfillment in a porch space. So in a neutral space we're talking about, we're not talking about in the church, uh, we're, not, we're not talking about on the football, they've come into your home and you're having communication and conversation and you're doing life together. And if you are naturally doing life together, guess what happens? Your faith will emerge. It will emerge. And if you're doing it in the right way, questions will follow as you should ask questions about them. And this is what it says. One of the main marks of an effective church porch is the concept of subversive fulfillment. In a nutshell, it means that there must be a balance of criticism and clear confrontation of unbelief, which is subversive, along with a great deal of respect and appreciation for the good values, commitments, and aspirations of the non-believer, fulfillment. It needs to be balance. Hey, I understand you do that. We don't do that because this is what we believe in our heart. But I understand also why you do it for your reasons. Because really, effectively, we know that the society we're in is idolatrous. 
they worship, whether it be sport, uh, whether it be uh, their freedoms, whether it be their family, whether it be uh, their belief in state or, or their belief in the power of the market or, or their belief in the, the superiority of their nation or, or their, their um, nationality, whatever it is, there's something that they, and we have to get to a place where we challenge the falsehoods, but we still respect who they are as a person. Because I want the heart of people in our workplaces to soften to Jesus in a community that is feeding them falsehoods to try and harden their heart towards Jesus. You must love the person. And in loving the person means you should seek to understand who they are in the hope that we win as many as possible for the gospel. Because my third point, and before I get there, here are some things that I, I wrote at the end. How, how, do you, how do you do that in your porch space? Uh, we, we have always been a people who are so keen to present what we have because we're passionate about it. Practice listening before speaking. And then my segue into this final point, which you can go to, is let love lead you. Porches are examples of love. Dan, you can come. Why don't you go to Romans 12? Romans 12, uh, 9 to 13, talks in many regards about what it is to love within this community, but also what it is to love outside of this community. And it says this in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. See, what's happened is those first few verses are focused on within the community. But now, hey, all of a sudden it's like, but there's also a whole nother community that exists outside of this one. It's called the world. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. It sounds very culturally sensitive here. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We've got to love people. We need to love our community because Christ died for them. And what I realized with Porch Spaces is we have an opportunity to prepare people 
for the gospel by loving them. They might not go, the world might not go straight from here to the cross. There will be a lot of people that will. And you can never disqualify if there's an opportunity, you go for it. If there's an open heart, if there's timing, if there's fruit to be harvested, you go for it. But a lot of time, it's going to take multiple conversations with people as they seek it out, as they work it out. And often the world will come to the cross through the porch. So are you creating these spaces? Do you actually have friends in your world that need Jesus? Have some hospitality. Have some people over where you can represent Jesus. Do you wanna know how to represent Jesus? Romans 19, love them. Love them. When I grew up, there was a guy in my world. His name's Daniel Abazade. He's a minister in a church in Geelong. He's a great man of God. And I remember when I was a young person, I, I would get picked up from school with my older brother and a couple of other young people. We'd go and play basketball. We'd have a meal and he'd take us home. And it was influential in my world. It was actually very formative. Now, now he was a believer and there was a discipleship thing going on. But I remember calling him thinking, you were busy. You had a lot going on. Why did you do it? Why did you pick us up, spend your money on us, drive us around, help us make all of these incredible memories of our childhood? Was it just so that you, you could, you know, and, and I'm, I'm asking questions sincerely. I'm like, was it because you were trying to call out the call of God in our life? Was it that you were trying to raise up an army for Jesus? You know, was it all these beautiful and spiritual things? And you know what he said? He says, no, nah, I loved you. I loved you. Because I wanted to spend time with you. And in loving us, it was a beautiful picture of Jesus. It deepened my love for the house of God, my love for His Word, because I was just around somebody who loved Jesus and was loving me. That's all you got to do. Have people over and love them. Don't force an outcome. Love them. Ask God for opportunity while you're loving them. And if the only thing you end up doing is loving them, they know who you are. They know what you believe. I Trust me, it'll come out of you. But you know what they'll remember is the fact that there was something. There was something in you. And what's happening is as you're loving them, you're emanating Jesus. And as they're spending time with you, all of a sudden they're going, there's something deeper about that person. There's something that draws me there. And what it is, is it is Jesus in you. You've worked the soil because you love them. Your porches had purpose because you love them. So as I prayed for us this week, it was very simple. This is gonna be our prayer together. I want you to, Ask the Lord to put somebody on your heart to love. Go with no pressure other than to love somebody 
Maybe have them in your home. If your home is not suitable, take them out to a cafe. If you can't afford a cafe, take them to a park. Go for a walk. Do something to connect with somebody in a neutral space where you can have influence by loving them. And when you do that, this is my prayer. Number one, Lord, would you allow me to have one, your heart for the lost. Two, Lord, would you allow me to have boldness to evangelize? Lord, would you allow me to have three, wisdom when I'm evangelizing? And four, Lord, would you allow me to have love for people you've already placed in my world that don't yet know you? Jesus is the hope of the world. I was having a conversation with a person who does not yet know Jesus. And um, he's like, why are you so passionate about it? And the way that I described it to this person was, if you came across an investment in a field, and in that field, if I bought that field, there was millions of dollars of wealth and value. And you knew what was there waiting. But you, you were trying to help me to buy it because you knew that if you bought the field, the blessing would come. It would change your life. It would set up your future. But all I couldn't tell you until you experienced it yourself. All I could do was present to you the field. Would you want me to buy the field? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, that's why I'm so passionate about Jesus. I said, because I know what it means to my life. I know what it's done for my future. And I know that it's available to you too. Now this person I've been talking to for years, to the point now this is a person of, of peace. They're open to Jesus. They're asking questions about Jesus. So now I'm finally get to be direct about my porch. It started with relationship. But Jesus can change the world. Jesus can bring them from brokenness into wholeness. I talk about Jesus because I know who He is. We've got to get back to remembering that. We tell the world about Jesus because He is the hope of the world. So with every eye closed, I like to do practical things where you actually physically make a decision by standing. And these are the things. Would you give me your heart for the lost? Would you give me boldness to evangelize? Would you give me wisdom when evangelizing? And would you help me to find somebody in my world that does not, net, not yet know you? And if you're willing to step out in faith and love them and try, right now in this place, I want to encourage you, if you're committed to that, would you stand? I'm going to invite the band to come. I love the song choices today because they were all about the victory and the glory of who Christ is. 
And that's what we're presenting to the world. The light of heaven, Jesus. The hope of the world, Jesus. The one who can heal brokenness. The one who's with you no matter how hard life gets. The one who restores you to God. Every hand raised, Father, we just pray for opportunities. Father, we know that you call us to the world. That was the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations and all people. Evangelism should not be separated from discipleship. So Father, help us as we grow in our faith that we would walk by faith. Help us to love people. Help us to represent you, Jesus. Help us to be culturally aware. Father, because we want to see, as you said, the lost come to repentance. Help us to play our role in the journey. In Jesus' name, amen.